This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 74. Today on our show, longtime City Beat music editor and now managing editor Mike Breen joins us. But I interviewed Ween one time, and I wasn't a fan, but um, you know, I knew a lot of people liked him, so I was like, okay, I'll do something. And I asked one question, like, and they just started like mocking me and just total like jerks, you know. And so I like said, okay, thanks, guys, and hung up and didn't finish. Mike talked about interviewing the likes of Iggy Pop, Billy Corgan, seeing artists past their prime, and the time he offended one of his heroes. Be sure to listen for the special promo code, of course, at the end of the episode for 20% off. And so now let's talk to Mike Breen. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So, uh, gosh, I've known you, I guess, almost as long as I've known Foxy. Yeah, like before City Beat, so. Everybody's news. Probably 27 years. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, let's do it like Marin would do. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, where are you from, man? You from Cincinnati? I am from Cincinnati, yeah. So, where'd you go to high school? Warner Hills. Oh, really? Yeah, I grew up on the west side. Oh, okay. So I was bussed over to Warner Hills. All right. Yeah. And were you, like, interested in music early on? Yeah, obsessed, yeah. From when I was a little kid, um, junior high, started really getting into, like, the weirder music, which at the time was, you know, ska and uh, the police were weird then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And in the early 80s, that was a weird band. Um, Printer's making noise back here, but you can tell we're properly in the back room of Hyde Park. So what was your first memories of music? Like, with me, it was driving around, and my dad would have the AM radio on, and so whatever he was listening. He wasn't really a big music guy, oddly. Yeah. Uh, my mom was, classical music. Uh, he would just put on the radio, and whatever the AM station was playing, that was it. And then my brother got uh, us both listening to CKLW from Detroit. We lived in Cleveland, okay, Top yeah. 40, rock and roll. Yeah, 1974, yeah. so I'm probably like seven, eight years old. What was your like first memories of music? Well, as my mom likes to repeat often the story, when I was a super small uh, child, probably she said, as I learned to talk, like started talking, I knew I would sing all the words to American Pie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I don't know if it's true. It's just one of those moms saying, when you were a baby, yeah. you did this. So. Um, and then I have those AM uh, radio memories of being in the back of our VW Bug and kind of oh, wow. we went to Atlanta one time. And I remember Rhinestone Cowboy. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Lon Campbell. And then I, as I got older, uh, yeah, just started reading music magazines. So getting into that side of it, too. Um, and my parents, we used to go to Washington, D.C. every year for Fourth of July because we had relatives there. And uh, the Beach Boys would always play on Fourth of yes. July. So I, that was yeah. my first like big concert, you know. So. so Beach Boys were your first concert? I think so. Yeah. How cool! Yeah, yeah. Oh, yay for the Beach Boys! And that was still like Brian Wilson was still there. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Big bearded Brian Wilson. Yeah, there's a. I have a on videotape somewhere one of those concerts from 1980. Yeah, I was pre, probably there. <laughs> pre James Watt controversy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Dennis Wilson is hammered. Yeah. And he gets up and he, uh, <laughs> you know, they're singing. I can't remember what they're. My has probably good vibrations, and he keeps going, one for the hostages, one for the hostages. It's like, oh, Jesus, Dennis, sit down, dude. Wow, I was probably there. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them once. I swear I saw them once with the whole lineup, and I looked back, and it it doesn't seem like Brian was on the tour I saw them on, probably around the same time. It was at the Canfield Fair in Youngstown. But I know I saw them because Brian was at the piano, and Mike was talking, and they're about to do Sloop John B., and Mike is still talking, and Brian just starts singing it. And I know it wouldn't have been anybody else doing that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I yeah, swear yeah. I saw the original lineup, just the one of the 11 Probably. times I've seen I them. think Brian like, kind of came in. And yeah, he, yeah, exactly. At that time, I think he, he did, certainly. Um, but anyway, we, we digress. So in, in junior high, what, what gets you into the weirder music? Is it, it gets before MTV, I reckon, at this time. 
Is it friends? Uh, right is around it? MTV, and it was a, okay. a really close friend that I met in junior high who um, he was into like ska and the police and stuff like that. Okay. So he definitely turned me on to that. Um, his brother would work uh, kind of as a roadie for the Raisins. Yeah, here in town. There you go. So I got turned on to them like when I, probably seventh grade. So that was my like local music entry, right, right. Cincinnati music uh-huh. and stuff. So I became obsessed with them and like. You know that kind of changed my perspective on everything because it was it was a local band. You know, uh, there's this kind of music in our backyard, and I never differentiated like that from the regular stuff I was listening to, the yeah. national stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that was kind of a turning point for me. Was Adrian Ballou in the Raisins or was he a bear? I don't know. He was a bear, but he produced uh, the Raisins. Okay, album. all right, cool. So, yeah, and were you aware of like his? Cause it, you know, by that time he's probably already off. A Cincinnati guy already off working with like David Bowie and Baloo, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually got into his solo stuff because of the raisins. I was like, "Who's this guy?" And yeah, did that thing where you go like, "Oh, you know, the Rolling Stones, like Helen Wolf." You know, you trace, yeah, back exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. So with Baloo, I kind of did that. Started with his stuff and went back and found Bowie and Zappa and all that. Yeah. So when do you actually start buying music? With my own money? Yeah, like probably the- not till. Probably not till junior high. I. That's a shirt you guys here have here is Swallens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to go there uh, with my family and stuff, and that was always instead of a candy bar or a, oh yeah a football or something. It was yeah. like, can I get a tape, a cassette, you know? And a you, cassette. Wow. Yeah. So it was probably fifth or sixth grade we started doing that, and, and then probably I don't know, probably around that time too, I would save up money and buy it but i did a lot of like stealing records from like my aunt and uncle and like, oh, okay going through their thing when we would go visit them and yeah so i just stole my music make, making your own tape and it's come around i was gonna say you're out of the curve there so you would yeah. just make would you make tapes or would you oh, yeah. albums and bring them back some other time or both both yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what do you what's like the first music you like bought some of the bands like did you buy singles did you buy albums because i was seven eight years old probably because that's all i could afford and a dollar was a lot of money i was just buying mm-hmm. singles because is what i heard on the radio yeah, i wasn't yeah. really an album guy yet i think it was probably like for buying things it was probably cassette. like i'd get the vinyl stuff mm-hmm. when i'd borrow it and trade with okay. friends and stuff like that but yeah. uh yeah I, f- I remember very very clearly like buying cassettes because you'd go to these stores and they'd have the uh Put, they'd have yeah, yeah, Kmart would have hand yeah, in, yeah. And you'd drop it on a conveyor belt, and it would go. Oh, down. And this was Swallowins, yeah. It would oh. go down and drop it in by the cashier, and they would bring you out and stuff. Oh, why would they had to? Un- they would had to unlock it. Oh, okay, it was yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Treasure. I remember those. I like the, yeah. the conveyor belt. Wow, yeah, that was that was Swallowins, man. That was. Um, but I vividly remember uh, the English Beats first album. I remember buying that on cassette. So oh, there you that go. Was, uh, yeah, that was a big one, and then. Years later, I, I got to meet Dave Wakeling uh, from the band when they played with 311 at Riverbend. And oh, wow. He was so nice. Like, he just invited us all backstage and, like, hung out with them and did a long interview with them. And I just, I had that cassette with me, like, driving there listening to it. And oh. I was like, God, yep. when I was 13, if I knew <laughs> yeah. I'd be doing this one day, it was... Did, did you have him sign it? I didn't. I didn't uh. want to... I'm trying to be professional, you know. <laughs> uh, very occasionally, I will be unprofessional. I've, I've like three or four times I've had the opportunity. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting this signed. Yeah. And my Depeche yeah, yeah. Mode Some Great Award CD, I'm getting this motherfucker signed. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And Dave Gahan laughed at me because I wanted to sign it and with regular, not with the felt the penny music because I didn't want it to smear because, you know, the, this, those sleeves are like really on that real yeah. glossy paper. I didn't want it to smear, and he like laughed and goes, "Hey, he doesn't want it to smear, guys." I'm like, "Dude, I want to keep this for a while." So I did. Uh, I went to school up on uh, Shortvine. It was just, uh, that was junior high. Across from Top Cats was a school called oh. Shield, and uh, we used to go behind Bogarts and wait for bands to come in uh, and ask for autographs. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. So I met X, and uh, the it was the English Beat guys, but it was General Public. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Those guys and a, a few other bands. I met Adrian Ballou that way when the Bears played there. So, yeah, those were autograph days, definitely, like yeah. 13, 14. Like, we would stay to meet bands, but we would never think to get autographs. Yeah. I didn't think to yeah, get autographs yeah. until later on. I really only have a handful. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm mine are long gone, definitely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, mine are all inside the CDs. That's what I got signed. Yeah. So, and I kept those. 
And uh, yeah, um, funny thing about the English beat people might not know is that there's actually two English beats. One is oh. Dave Wakeling's, mm-hmm. he's based in Los Angeles, and the other is Ranking Roger, yeah. the other guy, and he's over in the UK. He's the English English beat, and Dave Wakeling is the American. Except Roger just passed away a couple months ago. Did he? Yeah. We lost Roger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really sad, yeah. Huh, I just looked him up like last summer when we saw English beat. Uh, on that tour with, who was it, B-52s and Paul Young, the retro future okay. yeah. tour, I looked up to see if that was still the case, if he was still touring, and I didn't realize we'd lost Ranking yeah, Roger. I mean, he was till the end. He was yeah, yeah. that stuff, but he was he had some kind of disease or something. Oh, yeah. how, how sad. Yeah, it was really sad. Hmm. So uh, you are also a musician. Yeah. Yeah. So I started that around probably early high school, just kind of taught myself, because I was like, hey, I really like this stuff. What's the next step? And yeah. So I started playing bass and guitar and, yeah, just taught myself. Got a little chord book and ah. figured it out, you know. Yeah, I tried doing it with keyboards and it's, I don't know. Never did it? A little. I can I can play melodies okay. I can pick up yeah. things by ear pretty well. Um, I have a hard time remembering chords, though. If I don't stay after it, I completely yeah. forget it. And But I can I can still pluck out it. If I hear a melody, like I, on the iPad, it's got the garage band. Mm-hmm. So on the flight to California last week, I was listening to some music. I thought, you know, I wonder if I figured that out on the... Yeah, so I did. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still do that. Yeah. So did you... Were you in bands? Did you have... Yeah, about... Um, I think my junior year in high school... Um, I met these crazy guys. We started a... Well, they had a punk rock band, and I joined their band. Um, (laughs) We were called Blue Othello. (laughs) Originally, The Drens, I think, was their original name, which is nerds backwards. Ah, nice. (laughs) Um, But we were, like, Black Flag with, like, Big Black with, like, uh, rapping. So it was really weird, but we had had fun. It was just kind of silly and fun, and... You know, those guys became my best friends and subsequent bands. That was always the thing. That, that's your little gang and you kind of, you know, you grow up that way. And I'm still friends with almost everybody I've ever been in the band with. Those are my, those are my guys. You, know. you still do music now? I do garage band. That's all I do. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, just for myself, I kind of came to a point where I was like, I wonder if I need that audience reaction of playing in front of people like... And I realized, like, that's just, like, drawing or something. It's just yeah. a creative process. And so, like, fulfilling. Like, when I get stressed or anxious, like, just play guitar for 20 minutes and it kind of go. goes away. So it's a nice little skill to have in your back pocket, you know. Yeah, Even though I'm not I'm not a virtuoso by any stretch. And handy at parties. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, after Walnut Hills, do you it, college or do you go into... I did. I went to UC... And had no idea what I wanted to do, what I could possibly do. Um, so I was always interested in psychology. So I started taking, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be a psychologist or something. And started taking classes. And um, when we got the, to the biological element of psychology, I was like, okay, I can't do this. <laughs> too, too deep into the like brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a friend of mine... About three years into college, um, who I went to high school with, actually, named David Peskovitz. He was the music editor at Everybody's News. I, I know the name, probably yeah. from... He must have still been contributing. Probably. You probably yeah. yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. came across him. Um, and I remember coming back from uh, Dayton, seeing Jane's Addiction at Hair Arena, and going to Shorty's Underground, did you ever know that club? It was on Short Pine, but it was like in a basement, and like, like behind, kind of behind Bogarts or Wizards, and yeah, it being uh, behind, but the other side of Bogarts. So, it, oh, okay, kind of, yeah, kind of sketchy. Going towards Bogart, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Nirvana played there, and Smashing Pumpkins played there. Oh wow! Just a little tiny space, yeah, a little basement space. Like so, you'd see these huge bands eventually going yeah, to yeah. huge bands. We might need a T-shirt for that. I'll look that one up. Yeah, somebody did just make a a shorties t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Someone beat us oh, to well, it with a with a Nirvana flyer, actually. Oh, okay. I think it, I think it hmm. was there. But okay. Anyway, I went there after the show, and I, you know, I'd been f- friends with David. And I'd always liked uh, alternative newspapers, like all weeklies. I'd always read those, um, but never put together like, okay, I can write okay. Like I learned that in high school, and I love music. I never put it together that I 
could write about music, and David just kind of went, hey, you should write some things for me. And it was like a light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, I could do that. And so I started doing that at Everybody's News, and I became the music editor when he left, which is probably when I met you. Yeah, right around that time. Three-ish, four. 92, 93? Yeah, yeah. I showed up in 94. Okay. No, three, three. Is that when you moved yeah. to Cincinnati? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I remember going up there and I, I probably talked to Foxy. And how, did he said, you, how did you figure out to do that? Uh, well, I had published my own newsletter, okay. music newspaper, and it, I had distributed it down here at uh, Everybody's Wizards. Because my wife is, my wife now, uh, uh, now that I've had another wife before, <laughs> my to-be wife was uh, stole by my friend, and she lived down here. We were both from Cleveland, but she says, you should distribute your paper down here. There's a couple really cool record stores. So I came and visited her, and we distributed it, and I talked to the owners, and I said, you know, oh, I sent it to them when I, every week. So I, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. So I was doing that, and I knew of alternative papers because they were kind of the competition, Mm-hmm. And the one in Pittsburgh was mean to me. <laughs> they had one writer that would always just like trash my. But I thought, hey, that li- I'll get noticed. So, trash you in print? Like, yeah, yeah. And so the, wow. they, uh, we, we were once called Chowderheads. Okay. Yeah, they said that we didn't really know what. It was called the New Music News, was my paper. And this guy chided us for not really knowing what New Music was because we were still writing about people, husbands like Morrissey and the Smiths. And I'm like, dude. But anyway, so I knew that alternative papers existed. I think I tried writing for Scene in Cleveland, and that didn't really work out. But when we moved down here, I uh, knew there was everybody's news. So I just, I think I just showed up one day and talked to Foxy, and he said we could always use someone to do. Uh, CD reviews, mm-hmm. and the, the usual deal, you know, you, you get the CD and you right. review, yeah, and there you go. That's so, your payment. It's, that's your payment, it's the CD. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I can do that. So the first thing I reviewed was, I think, uh, Book of Love's Love Bubble. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing that you remember that. I do, yeah, because <laughs> I was very worried because I was kind of probably in the minority of people who liked Book of Love. Yeah. And this is 1993, so I can say with confidence, certainly in the heterosexual community, right, because right. it is, at the time, a very gay band, <laughs> and I'm a heterosexual man who just loves Book of Love, yeah. and I thought, oh, this is gonna, not going to come is up. Is this the band that just played in town? Yeah, yeah. You wrote the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Talk about full circle. And right? <laughs> I know. And very surprised to see the number of heterosexual couples there. Yeah. I yeah. went with my friend Greg Martini, ex-Birdhouse. Okay. Currently, do your band smells terrific. Yeah. Probably look like a couple of old queers. I mean that in the most affectionate <laughs> terms, by the way, because, you know, love your brother is what well, I say. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as Foxy sat here and said, we, we were right. Back in the day, you know, we, we we proved we were right. But anyway, so that was a great show, and yeah, everything comes full circle. And so when you say we were right, is this the when, when, kind of... Well, John was talking just uh, the things that every when he was at Everybody's and eventually City Beat, every, everything that we stood for right. and fought for in the paper, you know. Yeah. Even down to the music, you know, yeah. we, we were right. But I think John meant more like politically and socially. Sure. Well, everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything alternative became exactly mainstream. So That's true. Yeah. That this is the time, I guess, I think it was right. We were, I was told everybody's, but you had already gone on to City Beat, where I remember 94 was the big year that everybody, alternative broke. That was supposed to be the yeah. big thing. Yeah. And I remember Amy McDonald telling me, she goes, please don't write an article that says the year alternative broke. You're doing a year <laughs> interview. And I'm like, don't worry, I, I won't. Yeah. And, um, so uh, you become music editor and then uh, you were in a band at that time called Feeder? Yeah, Feeder. Um, I think I was still doing the Blue Othello thing. Okay. And then I had Feeder. And yeah, we would like tour around a little bit. And um, I had a, a taste for that. And I think uh, I think later on I joined a band called Rockets to Mars. That was my last band. Um and we did the same thing. We toured around a little bit, and then that band had a little label interest, and so oh, I kind of you know had the pipe dream of like, yeah, yeah, maybe I can do this, and uh, that kind of was chan- tangential to kind of starting that city beat. So I remember telling John one time, like, I may like take off, you know, <laughs> this might not be a full time thing for you know, I've got yeah, to yeah. play with my band. It's yeah, yeah. And, uh, so how close yeah. did you guys get to getting signed? Um, we had a uh, kind of. A loose agreement with this, I think it was called Fish of Death Records. It was an indie label, but they were kind of the farm team for major labels. Like yeah. Major labels would go there. Like a distribution deal? Yeah. Okay. They had a band, what were they called? They did a cover of Overkill by Men at Work, and <laughs> they ended up doing the theme song from Scrubs. 
and they were on this oh. label, and so I can't remember the name of them. I wish I could. Hmm. So that you know, it looked like a good deal, and we were like, okay, and got real exciting. And then we got a lawyer, which everybody told us to do. Sure, sure. And the label went, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, <laughs> we just want you to kind of we're going to give you two thousand dollars to make a record. We're not going to do a contract or anything. yeah, yeah. So we like passed and oh that was you know we went on we have a uh had a label out of boston put out a couple things with us but yeah it never turned into what i thought it was yeah uh, which in hindsight i'm, I'm kind of grateful but did it give you like good perspective as a music journalist to kind of see like kind of how the sausage is made yeah yeah i think just playing music you kind of you get some insight into that and um you know that was always the best compliment was when a band said uh like, thank you, you got it, like that. Like, I think some of that has to do with kind of making music, just the, the, the creative, artistic part of it. Um, but then certainly the, the business side of it, was you kind of see that. And I don't know, I think it was more the artistic side of it, just knowing from a, a creative standpoint, you know, to help me understand the ins and outs of the music a little better. So. And kind of how the business affects. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many bands I, you know, in not only here, but in Pittsburgh and Cleveland where I live were come close to getting a record deal. And then all of a sudden, like the affordable floors in Pittsburgh, uh, Larry Fast of Peter Gabriel fame was producing the record at a studio in New Jersey. They were on a sub label of MCA mm -hmm. and halfway through the thing, the big reorganization and they oh, get yeah. dropped with a bunch <laughs> of other bands. And yeah, it's just crazy how that happens. Yeah. I made some friends with, uh, bands that were on major labels, um, like super drag and, this band in Boston called Orbit, which was the label that we were on. And yeah, just hearing their horror stories of being on a major label was like, ooh, that sounds hard. <laughs> so how much did you guys tour around? Did you go like regionally or you all? Not a ton, but we did, we would go to the East Coast. I think we went three or four times and, um, you know, we played Boston and with Feeder we played, we would just, that was all DIY, you know, you jump in a band and go and... We played like CBGBs in New York. And, oh wow! Uh, TT the Bears in Boston and stuff. So, yeah, that was like a, I don't know, what do you call it? Kind of a coming of age experience where you just. But it was more about the traveling and the yeah. kind of bonding and and uh, dealing, you know, meeting new people all the time. I mean, that was really exciting. But it that was more like a yeah, like a summer camp kind of thing. Like oh, fond memories or like a foreign exchange kind of thing. You know, going the France and spending a month, and you always yeah. remember that experience, you know. And <laughs> Did you deal with any music journalists as a as an artist, or like you uh, were in these different towns, and were you getting coverage? You know, I don't think we ever really pushed that too hard. I think I didn't really handle that. I think we had other yeah. guys in the band handle that. I don't know why. It's a good question. <laughs> you would have been the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best person yeah. to that. So getting back to the everybody's thing, uh, Foxy went over this, and if people want to go back and listen to that episode, we have his recollections of what happened. Uh, I was completely clueless at the time what yeah. was going on, because I was still fairly new in town. But uh, I know Foxy left, and I thought, well, that, that's kind of odd. And then, so, but he always told, he told me, not in the interview for the Cincy Shirts podcast, but, he, but just a couple years after it happened, he goes, I didn't take anybody with me. The only person I tried to recruit was, you remember Melanie, who was the sales gal for everybody's yeah. dark mm -hmm. hair? Yeah, okay. He, he, he tried to steal her. Mm -hmm. He said, but that was it. Mm -hmm. The only, he didn't really, everybody else just voluntarily came along with him. So what was your recollection of that whole, how that whole thing That sounds like broke semantics down? From, from Foxy. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Um, he definitely like said, hey, I'm starting this thing. Yeah. I mean, it was technically voluntary but he definitely came to me and said i want you to come with me yeah you know? and, and i was like heck yeah you know like because everybody's didn't pay writers i i know john talked about that like, yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. what well, was the big disagreement yeah <laughs> you he had this pay... brilliant idea to pay, pay people, people yeah <laughs> and so that was like i was like yeah you know i'll come and uh we had to kind of play it cool for a while, so I was at everybody's mm -hmm. a little bit longer, and I remember the owner was kind of like, well, where do your loyalties lie, or something like that. <laughs> but she laughed as she said it, so I was yeah. just like, ha, ha. <laughs> And then I did an internship in New York um, with an editor, and that was like three months. And then when I came back, I didn't go back to everybody's, and, you know, it was, gosh, 25 years ago this summer, you know, we started... Uh, 
started putting it together there on 7th Street. I'm trying to think who the editor would have been in between because um, I remember after the news broke and the first issue of City Beat came out and everybody was all, you know, that was, that was all the, the big chatter. And so I knew you were gone because then the masthead, but Mike Breen, oh, so who's my music editor now? So I called the paper and oh, was it Emma Emma Sanders? I think was the editor at that point. Okay, yeah. And I said, "Who who's the music editor?" And she said, "Look at the look at the crowd. That's not the mass, the, not the mass head. The, what do you call the inside thing? Um, you can tell I'm a real journalist." Um, she's look, look inside the paper, and it's me and this other guy listed as music editor. We were co music editors. So I'm like, "Oh!" And then weirdly, uh, we started getting paid. Oh. Yeah, which is was shocking. I guess interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't think I knew that. I don't even think I told Foxy that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Donna realized well she was gonna have to. Now she didn't want to. She didn't want to showing up there all willy nilly like it was a full time job or nothing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was like it was supposed to be twenty hours a week, and even at that, whenever I showed up, she'd be like, you know, do you really need to do something here? Because <laughs> the <laughs> clock was ticking, and she's like, yeah, I've got to pay this guy now. But yeah, I can't for the life of me remember who the other guy was. Uh, that was my co-editor for a while, but uh, was yeah. it Sh- uh, Shadakadi? No, he was after me. Okay, yeah, and uh, Bill Furby, I think, was his editor. That for was a while. also after also me because that was the okay. the Randy Katz years. Oh yeah, Furby. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. what an adventure that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were co-editors for a while, and then uh, I, I don't know. Once, and I don't mean to badmouth Randy Katz. He was a nice guy trying to do a, do his job, but. Uh, you know, I just wasn't really agreeing with what was going on. So I, and I was getting, actually getting tired of writing about music. So I reached out to Foxy and said, you don't have anybody writing about TV. And he goes, no, we don't. You should come and do that. So I did. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you, you kept doing like, I uh, did TV for years. I think I did the, did music too. Yeah. You would come in, you but would. weekly I would do the TV article. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then yeah. A, as needed as I wanted free CDs yeah. or wanted to go to a concert. Yeah. That's what I was going to say about those everybody's days. That's how I like ate sometimes was selling some of the. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Even though it has the sticker on it. <laughs> Even back in the radio days, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I still have stuff in my basement that I was looking through. I've got a test pressing of Depeche Mode's uh, "Personal Jesus." Oh wow. Yeah, so we're uh, we're looking to sell some some of our old vinyl, and yeah, I've got all kinds of cool things. That's that like way. a mortgage payment, though. I'm talking about. Here, give me two dollars for this. Oh yeah, so yeah. So I can go to you know Taco Bell and get it. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. Because if you, we weren't getting paid, you know, uh, any other way. Yeah, yeah people. Would, yeah. And you, and of course, you go to the used record store back in those days, and the CD racks are full of, you know, promo copies. Yeah, <laughs> of things I remember there'd be certain CDs that they would have like five copies of, and you could tell, like, okay, the record company's really pushing that. Yeah, one. yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, you, or they <laughs> or they'd hand it back to you and go, yeah, we've got plenty of these. Actually, Limp Biscuit, I remember their first like EP or album. I would get like a copy every week in the mail. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they were really pushing them. So yeah, uh, I guess now they say if you go to a used record store, you can find just copy after copy of Monster by REM. Oh, I, yeah. I, I've heard somewhere that's the, I don't know, this could just be an urban legend, but it's the most sold back CD. I, I would I imagine see that, yeah. that. And I also, who do you, uh, the Bluefish just cracked rear view only because there were so many of them out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people probably digitized their collections. Yeah. And sold them. Gym Blossoms, I think, were a big one too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Miserable experience. I've yeah, never yeah. seen that a lot. Yeah. 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 So, it, so in these, oh, the other funny story I was going to tell real quick was, um, about the time you left for City Beat, uh, everybody's told me, hey, we've got this deal with 97X. We play new music every Tuesday night, and we need someone to go up to Oxford and do that. I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a radio guy originally. I'll go do that. So I went up there, and they're hammering me about City Beat. Like, oh, what's, this? what's going on? Where's Mike Breen? What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I think he's working on And I honestly didn't know. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. think he's doing something with this band. I don't know. And, of course, you know, they made me look the fool. <laughs> the fool, I say. But anyway, it all Yeah, I did. Out. I used to go up there, too. That was, yeah. that was always fun. And uh, when you were done, you get to raid the prize closet. Did you get to do that? Like uh, They did not let me do that. They, they're you CDs, basically. So exactly. Like, oh, here's dinner for a week, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. some good stuff. But yeah. I, Pretty sure I got Monster from REM. What can, yeah, what can I sell back, and what could I actually use? Yeah. Right, right, right. The, they hired me to do an overnight show, actually, and then uh, my wife said, "You're not driving from Anderson Township all the way to Oxford on and a Saturday night yeah. to do a dance show overnight and then come back at you know six o'clock in oh, the morning." Wow. Yeah, but. I used to do uh, Night Waves on BXU. Oh yeah, they had an overnight uh, 
yeah, like midnight to five, they would play like alternative music, like oh. underground music. And I did that. It's like one shift every two weeks or something like that. So it was the same kind of thing, like where there's probably 20 people listening, you know. So wait, so when was this? Um, I had no idea you were. Mid-90s? Okay. I, I only did it for maybe six months or so. I did it with a, a friend of mine, and then she moved uh, She moved away, and I just kept doing it. And, hmm. and then I just kind of stopped doing it. Like. <laughs> did you like radio, or were you just... I did, yeah. It was a lot of fun. You know, VXU overnight, like I said, not a lot of people listening, but it was cool to, like get phone calls of people like will you play like yeah yeah that? like it felt really cool yeah like uh christian slater and pump up the volume or something no oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. i think that's what being in radio kind of made me a terrible music fan and that i'm not really an album guy even though i reviewed albums mm-hmm. you know i was always a hit singles guy or what i thought were the hit singles off an album because mm-hmm. that's you know i would when i was seven eight nine years old i would Pretend I had a radio show and record into a tape recorder, but I would just play one song. I wouldn't play whole albums, yeah, like I was, yeah, yeah. even though there were stations that did that. So, yeah, I think that kind of ruined me for, even to this day, I don't listen to a lot of whole albums. Yeah. Is it, yeah do yeah. you? I do, but I, I'm i definitely like that, too, with, like, I like, the, like, the singles to me are always the best songs on the album, usually. Yeah. And so, I am definitely a singles guy in that way, but, yeah, I still like kind of the art of the album, when people kind of make a, not necessarily a concept, but the flow of the album when they think about that you know i like i still like that you know yeah. and, and that's going away because now it's at most an ep you know people just put out music yeah as it comes kind yeah of, yeah you know, which is fine but that the art of the album is kind of getting lost i don't think we'll have we'll have that in 10 years you know yeah oddly i've been listening to more albums lately because yeah. of that like yeah because like the ocean blue just released a new album okay. last friday and vampire weekend of course mm-hmm uh, big album. They they could have pared that sucker down, but yeah, I don't think we needed fifteen songs. Sprawly, yeah. But not yeah. My wife's review of it was uh, Alexa play vamp- new Vampire Weekend. Alexa skip. Alexa skip. <laughs> Alexa. But now she's grown to love it. Now she loves all of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's really weird how that, that that can sink in. So at City Beat, you're getting paid regularly, and yep. so you're making a better wage. And uh, I guess it affords you. Does it afford you more opportunities to? interview people or is it still pretty much the same because now now that's the lead alternative paper in town and to, to cover things i remember you went to new york and interviewed uh the smashing pumpkins yeah 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 that that period right before city beat um you know in new york you can sit down with these people instead of doing phone interviews right and uh so i i talked to x i talked to smashing pumpkins um you'd go up to their like major label giant building in downtown New York and you kind of look out the window and see Central Park and stuff. Um, I also interviewed Iggy Pop. Oh, wow. Um, and that was a little more casual where we yeah, yeah. met at a cafe and it was him and Mark Arm from Mud Honey. We did it together yeah, yeah. as a cover story for this magazine that I was working for. And that's like, yeah, that's still like a career highlight, you know. I was going to ask Iggy. you the best, yeah, the best person you Definitely would... Iggy, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. What was he like? Uh, super cool, and like, um, I think looking back and reading things, I think he was on coke then, had a coke <laughs> problem, but that, that never wasn't apparent or anything like that. And I think actually Mark Arm might have been doing heroin <laughs> too, so but they were both super cool. And Iggy was very much like, uh, tried he could tell I was incredibly nervous, you know, yeah, yeah, talking to Iggy Pop, right? He would always kind of stop the interview and go, uh, yeah, but how does the music make you feel? And, like, trying to make me comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. Oh, how cool. So, yeah, and just a nice guy, yeah. So what was Corrigan like, Billy Corrigan off of Smashing Pumpkins? Was he nuts back then, or? He already, it was right before Siamese Dream came out, so okay. that was what the interview was for. And uh, That's the double album, right? No, is it, which was the double? Uh, Melancholy was after Siamese Dream. Okay. Siamese Dream was, like, the breakthrough. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I can remember. Today, it's got kind of the whitish cover with the kid done. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And he already had a reputation for being kind of grouchy, and, and um, but I was a fan of Gish, the album before. Oh yeah, um, I got a you know promo copy early of of Siamese Dream in London. So um, being such a giant fan, the first thing I asked was you know I had this T-shirt that had words on the back that I didn't know what they were, like these flowing words, and I think he liked that. You know, I was oh. I was a fan and. Uh, at the end of the interview, I mean, it was really nice and, and open. And at the end of the interview, he's like, wow, that was completely painless. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite Billy Corrigan quote uh, involves the Beach Boys. 
Yeah. And yeah, he was saying that, you know, people always say that Brian Wilson isn't a genius because he only he only really produced, you know, pet sounds, which of course is completely accurate. But right. but but Billy Corgan's argument is even if that's true, what else do you have to do? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Like basically Done. the greatest album of all time. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorted. Uh, what, what other funny stories do you have from covering music all these years? Um, well, when you asked uh, what the favorite interview was, I always think about the, the worst interviews. Oh. Yeah. Um, and that was early in City Beat. I'd, I'd do phone interviews, and they mm-hmm. usually were good. And yeah. I, I like getting into conversations with people, and um, you know, musicians seem to appreciate that. Instead of like, going, who are your influences? You know, you just yeah. kind of like go with the flow and just mm-hmm. talk and... Uh, but I interviewed Ween one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't a fan, but, um, you know, I knew a lot of people liked him. So I was like, okay, I'll do something. And we sure. got, like, I asked one question, like, uh, this song has, like, a kind of a soul, like, influence. Did you guys listen to that? And they just started, like, mocking me and just total, like, jerks, you know. Ooh. So I, like, I said, okay, thanks, guys, and hung up and didn't finish <laughs> wow wow I, I never had that happen yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think the I got yelled at by Billy Bragg's road manager oh yeah in Pittsburgh at the graffiti uh, doing an interview for my own paper and uh, I went my, my friend Sharon is a big Billy Bragg fan who had a who told me the greatest thing ever is that you can't sing along to a Billy Bragg song and not adopt that London accent and she's absolutely yeah. right oh, yeah. I dare anybody to try it but anyway so we go and so we go backstage and Billy, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Is my friend Sharon? Oh, great! You know, uh, have have a couple beers. I got to do this other interview, and I'll be right back. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I go to Sharon. Hey, Sharon, you want a beer? And as soon as I pick them up, the road manager screams, "Those beers are for the band and for Billy." And <laughs> put them back down, and oh my gosh, yeah. So that, that's the only bad thing that ever happened. I don't remember anybody being that that terse. And it's weird to do a phone interview, and you know, they, they had someone, just signed yeah. to Electra, so they were kind of cocky well i think they were you know these underground musicians who suddenly had all this attention so yeah they were kind of arrogant and but also tried to be bratty and you know, oh, yeah still have that badasses yeah yeah i used to hate when they would uh they since you do the alternative weekly interview especially if the band was starting to get any kind of heat they would just jam you with like you know the drummer yeah. Or that, yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that but usually like you know when i interviewed weezer i really wanted to talk to rivers cuomo too late. The blue oh, album yeah. was exploding. Buddy Holly video was out. Now nah, you're gonna get uh, oddly you're gonna get Patrick Wilson. I'm like, well, at least we have the same name. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah. we had that to talk about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got there. And he was a he was a fun guy. But yeah, I used to uh, hate getting stuck with you know people like yeah, that. They only. Still do that. They yeah, they still do that. They still do that. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. Uh, any other funny stories? Like you've seen tons of shows. I mean, this being a journalist, of course, you, you that that's the one perk of the trade. CDs and shows, yeah. CDs and, and now CDs time. are gone, so now and it's just shows. But that's true. Digital yeah. downloads are the yeah are the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, who are some of the favorite shows you've seen over the years? Oh boy, um, I remember a band called Super Furry Animals. They were, I think, they're from Wales, hmm. um, and they were kind of right after Britpop, but they kind of okay. had that sound oh. and uh, a little more experimental and weird. They played the Southgate House, the original Southgate House. And uh, I just kind of liked their album and was like, oh, I'll go check this out. And they did this surround sound thing where they had speakers in the back, speakers in the front, and I think speakers on the side. And the, the music would just kind of swirl around. They, they mixed it like oh. in like quadraphonic sound and stuff. And I didn't know I was walking into it. I go in and I'm just, it was just this, they had screens behind the, you know, behind the stage with video and stuff. And that one really was one that, that really blew me away um, that I always think of when people ask that question. Um, I think I mentioned, uh, well, I used to go see the Afghan Wigs all the time. Oh, that's right. You were, you were real close with those guys, weren't you? Not really. No, oh, I thought, no. that, I actually, I thought Dooley and you were... No. no. Uh, uh, we, we had some head-butting. Uh, really? Because I, I, starting out at City Beat, people would always kind of knock against me was that I was too nice. I liked everything and stuff. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every now and then we'd try to do something like, sure. okay, let's do something bratty. And and I, I wrote something rude about Greg once. And it was, in hindsight, it was horrible. Thing <laughs> um, and he he had his publicist send me like a kind of mean you know letter, faxed me. I remember it was faxed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, 
And so, I don't know. I would love to interview him someday because I, I yeah. look up to him immensely. Sure, sure. And that's maybe my favorite band, you know, yeah. the Afghan wigs. And that's always something that stuck with me. Like, God, I kind of blew that. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know... Uh, John Curley from the band, and I'm uh, friendly with him, and um, Steve Earle, who was their original drummer. I'm still oh, friendly yeah. with him. And, uh, so, yeah, kind of a split uh, <laughs> relationship with wow. those guys. But they those shows, they would play Sudsies. Um, oh, yeah. You know, just packed and hot and sweaty. And uh, those were some of the best shows I've ever seen. And the Royal Crescent Mob back then. Oh, yeah, um, from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, they would play Bogarts and New Year's Eve and the place would be packed and drunk. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, those are great, like, like old memories. And then I'm not big on... I always kind of resisted going to see some of the veteran acts. Um, Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney... Um, I always thought, you know, that would ruin my memory of them, you know, like if I saw them now and they weren't as good as they were. And, yeah. But I, I broke down and went and saw Paul McCartney and was like crying and like just blown <laughs> what, away. When was that? Um, I think it was when he played um, the baseball field here, Great American Ballpark. Uh, I think so it was there, yeah. Five, six years ago? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen him actually since uh, went oh. to another show because he blew me away and it was so... I just remember this. You know, he's still great. Yeah. This band is so good. And, yeah. Uh, but you just remember those songs. And, it, you know, you see other people reacting to it. And it's, yeah, it's really emotional. So I let go of that, you know, don't go see older bands. and It is, uh, yeah, you have to you have to go in with your eyes wide open. Though, yeah. Because the, the Beach Boys 50th anniversary tour, did you see that? No. Awesome. Uh, yeah. They had a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and they brought, because I don't know if people know this, a little background for you. There's two bands that tour, basically. Brian Wilson tours on his own, of course, mm -hmm. uh, mostly doing Pet Sounds, which he's mm -hmm. going to retire this year. And then, of course, Mike Love has his Beach Boys yeah. that tour. And Al Jardine tried to get in on the action. Uh, Beach Boy and Friends, and they said, nah, Mike Suda said, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though all the money goes into the same pot. Right. The right. So anyway, so you have Mike Loves Beach Boys, you have Brian Touring, and fun fact, if you go see Brian Wilson, you see more actual Beach Boys than with Mike Love. Really? Because Mike, it's Mike and Bruce, and with uh, Brian, it's Brian, uh, Al Jardine, yeah. and Blondie Chapman, who was in the group oh, for yeah. two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he was an official member. But Although, um, although Bruce and, and Blondie, I, I never really count them. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, Bruce has been there since 65, so. Yeah, we'll yeah. Him. No offense to them. But, but Blondie, yeah, I guess kind of. Yeah. But he did sing Sail on Sailor, only non-original oh. member to sing uh, lead on a single. Oh, I, did, I don't think I knew that. That's yeah. a classic song. Another fun fact, yeah. yeah. And so they put the two bands together for the 50th anniversary show, and the one guy that used to lead Mike's Beach Boys now leads Brian's band. He's the musical director for them. Okay. And, they, and then Mike promoted this other guy. But anyway, they had a lot of help, but it was really, really good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they sang what they could. Some guy sang the, Brian's high parts for him, which is now Al Jardine's son and Brian's band. Oh, wow. But all great. The Hollow Notes, you. <laughs> yeah, I saw them a few years ago. Rough, rough, yeah. They were good when I saw them. Well, um, it seemed that Daryl Hall was kind of... Uh, like, my buddy in California saw them and said it was terrible. Daryl yeah. Hall's voice was not up to oh. it. Speaking of prickly pears, by the way, Daryl Hall. Yeah. So he was just jerky to John Oates right there, right there on stage. John Oates said, I've got a new solo album coming out. And Daryl Hall just rolled his eyes and went, huh. Oh. <laughs> right in front of him. But anyway, he said the whole show was terrible. And when we saw him here, it seemed like Daryl Hall was kind of, like, trying to, like, reserve his voice so it held out for the show. So in some time, he was hitting it. But other times you could tell he was dialing it back. Yeah. And there yeah, was no yeah. chance you were going to get uh, every time you go away or anything that was right. really going to challenge his voice. But yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. But yeah, it's that's it's tough to see the I also recently saw you 2 on their Joshua Tree tour. Oh. And it was another like kind of resist going like, eh, I don't know. And I'd seen you 2 yeah, in yeah. recent years and they're, they're still great. And man, the Joshua Tree tour was, that was one of my best shows ever. Oh, yeah. Because it just blew my mind. They had so much like uh, production like behind they had these giant screens behind them with these artistic kind of like uh, projections and yeah that was one of those and also like I had a relationship with that album when I was in high school oh yeah and, yeah like you know so it, yeah that I, was my favorite I think I saw that tour in the original tour in Pontiac Michigan oh yeah in yeah. the Silverdome the, the famous uh, there's a monkey in a white t-shirt Okay. Outburst of Bonas. I was there for that. Monkey in a white t-shirt. The, the uh, <laughs> security people were pushing 
people back from the barricade, and they were getting a little rough with them, and Bono stopped. I He might have... I may be misremembering this. It's probably out there somewhere. Uh, he stops either mid-song or between songs. He yells at the security and says, there's a monkey in a white suit. Uh, these people pay our wages. And, of course, the whole crowd erupts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I saw that. And once I've seen a band, though, I don't feel as compelled to, like, see them again. I'd rather see somebody somebody else. I kind of felt that way about you, too. Um, and I haven't been a fan of their more recent albums. Not, I mean, yeah. it's, it's fine, but... Um, but I, I just, on a whim, like, I think I saw some clips of them on the Joshua T- Tree Tour, and I was like, yeah, I'll take a chance and go see this. And remember, it started, um, they played some older hits, and then when they started playing Joshua Tree, Streets Have No Name, where the streets... Oh, yeah, yeah. And right before Bono's voice uh, vocals kick in, this plane buzzes the stadium. This is down in Louisville. Oh, my gosh. Like, perfectly <laughs> timed, and I was like, that's... Like was that intentional? And it was. It was just a FedEx plane just oh. happened to fly over. So it's like that's kind of magic. Well, Bono's got a lot of pull, so yeah, yeah, you don't know. So like, who haven't you seen that you regret not seeing, or just didn't have the chance to see? Um, I've been really lucky to to be able to see. I was just thinking about this this morning. A, a few people before they passed away, like Jeff Buckley. Oh yeah, who played? Uh, he played Sudsies. Twenty people there, or so and um, that was amazing. And, and Elliot Smith uh, before he passed away, and Nirvana a few times, of course. Um, but I'd never seen the Stones, and I'd kind of like, yeah, same. To take a chance yeah. on that, like but for four hundred dollars, I can't. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> getting priced out of the market on that. <laughs> right, one. right. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those where I'm like, well, I took a chance on McCartney, and yeah, it was blew my mind. So yeah, yeah, maybe we'll see. You know. Oh, but I, I don't, don't see the stones in a heartbeat. I don't know how much longer to do it. Yeah, I don't know how much longer we'll have, unfortunately, to do that. But you know, I yeah. I don't know if those guys will go till they're ninety five years old or something. But I don't know. They're they're up there. Yeah, but, I mean, but they're I still well. Good. Uh, this comedian I know in California, Jackie Cation, she used to say this about Joan Rivers uh, before Joan Rivers it. passed away. You saw Jackie? Yeah, like uh, with Maria Bamford. Yeah, a couple and our ago. and our friend Kelly Collette. At, in Dayton? I guess so. They all three did a show together. And I don't think I saw the other one. but it, Okay. Uh, Kelly's local. I think she might have been okay. the opener opener. Okay. And then uh, Jackie I probably featured, and Maria was the headliner, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, but Jackie always used to say about Joan Rivers before Joan Rivers passed away, is like, I don't think she knows how to stop. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I think it's the same thing with, like, the Beach Boys, like Mike Love. Oh, yeah. I think Brian might stop. Mike does not know how to stop. Yeah. And, he, yeah. and he, you know, it, he, he doesn't certainly doesn't need the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder about that a lot. Like, how much do you need, like, Rolling Stones? Like, yeah. Take take some time off. Like, yeah. I mean, there are people that sign bad publishing deals. I mean, yeah. you, you don't know. Like, yeah. as I remember reading years ago, and this was in the mid-'90s, that the Duran Duran boys are just fine. Because he invested in real estate early on. Oh yeah, and so they're they're they don't have to work a day in their lives. They can just you know do this for fun. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not, but I always think if I if I got five million dollars like some of those guys do, I would just save that and yeah. retire. Like, exactly. <laughs> just go to. But then <laughs> someone else pointed out to me. I think it was uh, the comedian Miss Pat said, "Well, but what then? What would you do if you like doing yeah, something? Why would you keep doing yeah. it? Yeah, 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 and yeah." I, and you hear that about. Yeah. A lot of people who retire and they just kind of go crazy, they like stir crazy, like yeah, exactly. So they gotta, they gotta yeah. work. And I guess if you're a musician, I mean, there's, there's worse gigs. It isn't like you're, you know, working down at the plant, or, right? You know, right, right. Slinging have, t-shirts twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have family, and I'm sure you wanna reminder: slinging t-shirts, great job. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> so you're still at City Beat. I am. Yeah. yeah. So you this must year's be twenty five years. I was gonna say you must be the longest tenured employee. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Rick Pender still does. Um, oh, that's right. Freelance Rick. for us, but um, I'm definitely the longest uh, staffer. Yeah. Was yeah. uh, was Rick there at the beginning as a contributor? I think he was. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he he predates me. Yeah. By about a year. Yeah. 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 Wow. So what's life like at City Beat now? Well, we have gone through some ownership. Changes. Yep. Um, John and Dan, John Fox and Dan Bachreth, uh, who founded the paper, they sold it to uh, Southcom Communications, which is down in Nashville. And Southcom had some all weeklies around the country. They have a Nashville scene, I think it's called. Cleveland scene, too, I think. No, no, that's. They got, I'll get to that. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, T. Southcom <laughs> had like a board of directors meeting where they were like, okay, these alt weeklies aren't 
bring you money in. You know, they're fine. They're like, mm-hmm. but they're treading water. So sell them all. <laughs> and uh, our our publisher now, Tony Frank, like jumped in. Wait, action. Tony Frank's the publisher? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I? I still After see him. John and uh, Dan left. Uh, he he took over. Yeah. Good for that guy. Yeah, and he's he was like, the, for people who don't know. He was the sales guy for years mm-hmm, and years, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, yeah, I always just talked to him about sales-related things. Yeah. I had no idea who was the publisher now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And he's, like, our savior, you know, our angel. Like, yeah. Because he, when that happened, Southcom dumped us. He started, like, kind of talking to anybody who would talk that could be an investor and keep yeah. us afloat. And um, we ended up hooking up with Euclid Media, which is out of Cleveland, which okay. is based on Cleveland scene. Like, uh, that okay. was their flagship kind yeah, yeah. of... Uh, and they they bought us, so that's that was like about two years ago now, and they've been great. They're they're a really good company, and they know all weeklies. They're not like Southcom was kind of they did business to business publications, and uh, so it's been really good. You know we, you know technology has changed, so yeah. like paper newspapers aren't exactly like uh, bringing in big money anymore, but, uh, our website's doing really well. And, I was going to uh, say, and that's the thing that always surprises me is people always, when I try to interview people to, to get free stuff <laughs> to get into shows and stuff, they always want to know, Oh, is it going to be in print? And I'll say well, a lot of times, like I've done a couple of things for you recently, mm-hmm. just so I could get into some shows and I'll do, I'll do a review online. I think the book of love show is like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but they always, Oh, will it be in print? And I'm like, I gotta be honest with you. And I'm a 53 year old man. I, I can't remember the last time I picked up a copy of the paper. Yeah. I think the Chinese place in Anderson carries it, and I'll thumb through it there while I'm waiting for my food. Yeah. But I read the paper online. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Even though I like to read a real newspaper physically, yeah. I read City Beat or the other, like, alt-weeklies from other towns. I read them online. Yeah. I don't. And yeah. Is, do you think that's is, – is is the web traffic now higher than, say, the, the print distribution? Um, I still think that – Brings in more advertising because it's people are still kind of weird about um, buying ads online. Like that's still yeah. kind of like a coming around, especially in Cincinnati. Like yeah. Well, there's business. a permanence to print. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. the people like, I guess. But I, I've had that too. That kind of experience talking to a you know even like a local band, and um, they'll get mad that something didn't get in print, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I, and it was kind of eye opening. Like people still have see value in having their name in. On newsprint, you know, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a band or, you know, a subject of a story or something like that, yeah. which I guess is, is nice. You know, that's kind of reassuring that um, uh, newsprint is still a viable medium for some yeah. people, at least. Yeah. I guess that maybe you took that extra step. I mean, if if something is both in print and online, which most of the stuff is, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, yeah, the, the paper copy goes away after a week. Yeah. And the online thing lives on mostly forever, although some stuff does disappear, but it lives on mostly forever. And I'm always like, well, that's, that's of the two. I think you'd probably want right. that. Yeah. Instead. Like a, a publicist, maybe why would you want 50,000 papers to have that in it? What, what is the value to you who are probably in New York and will never see a hard copy paper, but I don't know. It's interesting why they, would... I, I can't remember who, what it was. I was trying to finagle and, uh, they, they wanted the, um, Oh, I think it was vampire weekend. They, Really wanted it for, and think I think I owe you a blog post. Still, by the way, I'm late. <laughs> I think you might have sent it. Oh, did to I send that one? Okay, maybe something else. Maybe <laughs> I, I think I owe Bunbury to Pop Culture Beast. What's the other the website I write for in Los Angeles? I'm like that's like a, a nat. Well, I mean everything's got international distribution now on the internet, right. but it's focused as more of a national mm-hmm. thing. Where you know, in City Beat is local. Could we do do it in City Beat instead? And I'm like. Sure. <laughs> oh, like a publicist? Yeah. They, wow. they are, what, rather would rather have that than uh, than pop culture. Although probably the web hits are probably about the same. I guess maybe it's just a different. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it looks better if it's in a in a local. Well, no, our web like our web site will get a million unique viewers oh, okay. a week. You know, and yeah. so and then uh, and newsprint, we're I think we're around fifty thousand copies. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely different. But um, I don't know. It's I guess. The newspaper, kind of what you said, it's in this restaurant, you know, I think, I think there's still some, a lot of people who are going to a bar and they're kind of just sitting around and instead of their phone, they might pick up. A yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think for people our age, I see the value, but for yeah, the young people who grew up with digital media. Yeah. 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 What is newspaper? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Even yeah. though uh, on my laptop, I try to read like things like 
well, the Los Angeles Times isn't too bad, but some new sites you go to, and ads keep popping up, and the page jumps, and yeah. you try to click on the story, but the page moves, and you end mm. up clicking on an ad, and like, oh, what a pain in the ass. But Just at the same the- time, that's, which I understand now being on the other side of it, but, you know, that's how they make money, because yeah. you're getting that content for free, so... Yeah, yeah. And, but and, it is annoying. I mean, and I also am able to read papers from other towns right, yeah, yeah, very easily instead yeah. of having to go and get it from the bookstore where it's a week old and it's right. only the Sunday paper. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so you said you, you see the kind of the, the death of the album coming, you think, possibly? Oh, if, yeah. I mean, it's already, I, I think for really, no, I think for everybody. Like, I think there are singer-songwriters now who are, on SoundCloud who are just, you know, or, or rappers or whoever. Yeah. Um, and they'll just make a song and put it out there. And that could be, you know, a million people can hear it and like it and share it that way. So that's easier, I think, than, and it may be more digestible for, for the consumer too. I think maybe yeah. that's, that's part of it too. And when you have access to a hundred million songs, you know, you can click through and, I, I can see why people would would leave it behind, but it's it's just it's like the newspaper. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to hold on to that, you know, for a little bit longer. Let's let's see what we can do and uh, keep that concept going at least. Yeah, well, that's what it was in the early fifties or the late fifties and early sixties was people just released singles, and I didn't know this until recently. Uh, especially with the Beatles collections, is they released tons of stuff that weren't actually on albums. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I hadn't realized that. And that, that was a thing that continued in Britain, I think, up through the 70s. That was common for groups to just release singles, and then the album would come out, but the single wasn't on yeah, the album. Yeah, like Penny Lane and, and yeah. I think Hey Jude. Where they, yeah. But they'd eventually like compile all these singles. In America, yeah. they would, yeah. yeah. But in Britain, yeah. if you want the British pressings of all those, yeah. you ain't get no Penny Lane. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah, that has kind of come around. Yeah, so that, do, you, yeah. do you think people will rediscover the album and say, hey... We've got this new idea. It's a whole yeah, collection of yeah. songs, <laughs> and they kind of connect. Yeah, and, uh, and there's a there's a theme. I, I think everything. You know, when you when you get to a certain age, you start to see these cycles come around. You know, like like rock and roll will come around again. You know, big time. Like Nirvana brought it back, and then it's kind of like you know gone underground again in a bit, and it all comes back around. So yeah, definitely that'll be a that'll be like. Cassette tapes now are kind of a, a, a hip thing. Yeah, that just that's just weird. New cassette tapes. Yeah, it's like what do you listen to that? On? <laughs> Probably the the wor- well, the second worst audio format after the eight track. Yeah, tape. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which uh, which may come back to you never know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a fatter tape, so the actual audio quality technically should be better. Yeah, but you're in the middle of a song, and you know, Ka-chunk. hey Jude, Ka-chunk. yeah, <laughs> bang. Yeah. Uh, what, what's interesting about the album, though, is that you were talking about you two touring the Joshua Tree. That's a huge thing now, especially for the veteran acts. Oh yeah, yeah. is to go around and you know, if it's an anniversary of one of their albums, mm-hmm. they play the whole album, right, start to finish, mm-hmm. and then possibly you know, a couple of hit singles and uh, something. And then vinyl is is back, you know, and yeah, and that's you know, putting out a single. Uh, remember the old 12 inch like dance remixes oh that's all I have left yeah because yeah yeah, the stuff I got rid of was stuff I had on CD I used to have a lot of those but a lot of the stuff doesn't come yeah I can't imagine having a lot of 12 inch singles because I don't I wouldn't imagine stuff you like was I guess as remixable yeah no I like a lot of the synth pop okay weird stuff too and then uh yeah, I mean, there was a while when they would just remix anything. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 12 inch I ones. would say, looking back at the 80s, like, I have a couple of Madness 12 inches, and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're fine. I don't think the song needed to be remixed. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. Country, remember that that band? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The, in a Big Country, I remember it had a 12 inch of that, where it was like a 15 minute version of yeah, that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. But, but on the other hand, Depeche Mode, Thompson Twins. Uh, OMD, mm-hmm. all very remixable bands. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Ultravox, even with that. The only thing I used to hate about the 12-inch singles, though, my big uh, ruling on what was a good 12-inch single or not was, and this is, a, I, Niall Rogers, I think, invented this, when he invented it, is that they would mix the song all the way down to the bass and the drum and then just the drum. And that was done for DJ so they could mix in other songs. Oh, yeah. It mm-hmm. wasn't really meant for listening. And then they would build it back up. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to it, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut that section out and go back. But I like when they would extend things or they would yeah, highlight yeah. different things in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, yeah, I think the 12-inch single is uh, is much maligned. I wonder if that'll come back. It should. I mean, people do do remixes of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, it isn't as common 
uh, as it used to be. And a lot of them are like like the newer OMD stuff. Some of it's cool, but when it doesn't sound like the song, I'm like, eh, that's a hard pass. Yeah. Or if they yeah, even yeah. change like the tempo of it or the speed of it or mess there, with the pitch. Yeah, like, there eh. are definitely still remixes, but I yeah, don't yeah. know that they go to the 15-minute version yeah. route anymore. But, yeah. but anyway, the vinyl... Those are now. Those are all albums. You know, you're not yeah. reissuing a, a single on 12 inch. Yeah. You've you know. gotten back into vinyl. Um, somewhat. I mean, I I still have a lot of the old stuff, and then I have bought. Yeah, like I think I went through a period where it's like I'm going to buy all my favorite albums, so some yeah. Pet Sound and Revolver. And yeah. So just to have them, and uh, but it's still it's kind of like the newspaper thing. It's still easier to just gonna stream say. it. It's all right there on your phone. Yeah. My friend passes. Let me put on this. Let me go across the room now and turn it over. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I bought, uh, my daughter's gotten into vinyl, and so she goes to, uh, what's the place up in Loveland? We're going to have them on the podcast soon, and now their name escapes me. Uh, Plaid Room? Plaid Room. Yeah. And uh, she was in line, and I'm f- just flipping throughout a boredom, and I see Dare by Human League for two bucks. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. Sure, yeah. I'll have that. I have it, on, <laughs> have it on CD. It's in my iTunes. But just to have it, and she bought a new record player, and her old one is sitting now in our family room, which is kind of mid-century modern themed. Mm-hmm. And my wife hates it, but I'm like, I think it looks, it looks really nice in here. This, yeah. That's why mm-hmm. I have some of the albums sitting there and all. Does, yeah. it, does your daughter listen to the vinyl? Yeah, she does. more like, oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. A little bit of both. Yeah. She, um, yeah, and there's uh, her favorite group, uh, Wallows, released a... Uh, a seven inch on record store day okay and it, it's only on vinyl they said they're not gonna release it on spotify oh that's so cool people like that. so then she was hammering me because so i digitized it for her from her record player put in mm-hmm. audacity and you know like, mix it and took out the noise and everything and then she all my friends are asking how, how do you do that how do you put that in your itunes <laughs> well she finally said you know what just go to youtube and do it that yeah, way. yeah yeah but uh yeah i didn't know you, you were a fan of the synth pop because i always felt kind of like I wouldn't say intimidated. I felt, man, here's, here's my review of the Pulsar CD, sir. Oh, <laughs> you know, no. like... I mean, I guess more like uh, New Order. Yeah, yeah. Planet, but I was a big Depeche Mode fan. The first few albums, like um, Sub Great Reward and, oh, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. I love that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So what's, uh, sticking with City Beat then? And I guess you're now the managing editor, so that's kind of a, yeah. more of a title promotion than a... Right, right. <laughs> but it is a, I do... Um, well, we all do more work because, you, you know, when you're yeah. going, when we go to the web, when our focus is kind of there now. Um, you know, we used to do a weekly newspaper and it was all that content for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you did all week. And now we're, you know, we have 10 things up on our website every day. So I'm writing, you know, three stories a day. It's, it's like a, it turned into a daily job. <laughs> so it's not the schedule that it used to be where, um, although like the, the paper right from Minnesota, I think it's kind of still like this where Monday and Tuesday were the hugely busy days and we were there late on Tuesday getting the print out and then Wednesday was kind of a shorter day. Is that still the schedule? Um, That's why I purposely scheduled this on a Friday figuring it would be your less busy day as opposed to Monday or Tuesday. Okay, because usually we record on Tuesday and I figured that would be the worst day. Yeah, yeah, it is still like that. Okay. But uh, it's just a busier day. Like every day is a lot busier than it was oh, okay. five years ago or whatever. That so, makes sense. Yeah. But it still is, you know, the, the later nights and sending it to the printer kind of days. And, uh, where's the paper printed now? Columbus. I think. Oh my gosh. That's right. Yeah. Cause Columbus dispatch, maybe their, okay. their printer. Cause yeah, it's kind of like printing vinyl. Like <laughs> the, there used to be 20 of them in the area and now there's three or something. So, man, that's crazy. Well, this has been fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for doing yeah, this. Was this, is, this is, yeah, I know. I, 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 I had to say, I hate to say, like, I've known you for years and years, but I didn't really know. I see the little bits and pieces and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. Well, I'm very uh, low key. Yes. Uh, Kathy Wilson, a columnist at, at City Beat, used to tell me I was the music whisperer. You were the quiet beetle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, great, man. Uh, where, do you want to promote anything? Of course, citybeat.com. Yes, please uh, click on stories, share on social media. Yes, uh, definitely. Visit our advertisers. Keep yep. us keep us alive for twenty five more years. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, we're all on. Yeah, they're all on that. We're all, all, there, all yeah. the platforms, yeah. and I think they're all just just properly City Beat. There's no. Yeah, City there's beat, no Sin City, city Beat or anything like that. It's Cincy, just a City Beat Cincy on uh, Twitter. I think it is. Okay, and, and Instagram. So. Okay, mm-hmm. sounds good. All right, Mel. Thanks. Thanks, Pio. Mike Breen had to play the English beat. 
Uh, yeah, we lost Ranking Roger back there in March. Mike broke the news to me, and uh, I was very distressed. I emailed him a little bit later, and uh, we discussed it. And uh, I had to email him, actually, because this is embarrassing. I forgot to have him choose a coupon code. You probably noticed that. I'm always the one hammering Josh and Darren uh, to give to get us a coupon code from the guests before we let them go. And uh, this time, it was me who forgot. Uh, he did give us a coupon code. It is support local music, all one word. We'll get uh, to that in just a minute. But if you haven't already, please go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts archive, the Pat Berry episode we just did last week. Uh, people have just been, uh, that's got a lot of heat. People have been really enjoying that. But we also have great episodes with uh, Matt Bischoff from Survivor and Roger David, the CEO of Gold Star Chili, Bill Donabedi and the guy that founded and books Bunbury. Uh, Amy Yazbek off of Movies and TV. Uh, she's from Blue Ash. Uh, she discussed her TV and movie career and her late husband, John Ritter. Dean Gregory from Montgomery Inn was in. So just all kinds of folks uh, have been on the show. Like I said, we're up, what, 74 episodes now. So uh, go back and check those all out if you haven't already. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line, then tell us who you'd like to hear on the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but maybe they still feel connected to the tri-state. And today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are actually from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. You can find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and many more at oldschoolshirts.com. We have a lot of defunct teams, old shopping centers, just like we do for shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is support local music. It's all one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate upper and lowercase. It should still work. Uh, you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. You can also use the code in our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar stores in OTR, Hyde Park, and Lublin. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Again, tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the show from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.